He's just Elvis. Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, kind of an asshole. Elvis. Elvis. (laughs) He's, like, if Elvis was Superman, he's kind of a dick, and, like, he juggles babies. And um, you've all probably seen the meme where somebody's like, we love you, Metro Man, and he points to the crowd, he's like, and I love you, random citizen. It's like, that's his character. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Um, That being said, when he is pathetic and has his beard out, hot. (laughs) No. Um, Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm the difference between a villain and a supervillain. And this week, we talk metrocity and memes with the DreamWorks superhero movie Megamind. Before we talk about a good animated kids movie from 2010, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, are following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla, do you think heroes are born or made? I mean, in this movie, they were made a couple of different ways. That is extremely true. But what what does that mean? If you think about destiny, I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) All I was going to say is when I think about destiny... All I can think about is one sky. One sky, one destiny. <laughs> uh, we can't do Kingdom Hearts again. It's it's too soon. Um, okay. That's right. We never talked about Kingdom Hearts 4 uh, <laughs> on this podcast. We just talked about it constantly in between. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Kingdom Hearts. Yes, we did. God, we did. time anyway. Neither here nor there. Anyway, we watched fucking yeah, Megamind Mega this week. It <laughs> was a, a, a good movie. I had a good time with it. Um, and, and I'm excited because like the reason that I wanted to watch this was because of mostly Tumblr, mostly the memes, specifically the, the one meme about where whenever a British Royal is about to die and they post the screenshot of how, uh, being like, there is no, <laughs> there is no, uh, tooth fairy, there is no Easter bunny, uh, and there is no, and they just leave it blank. And that's, it's very funny to me. Um, so I was like, that's that's a good enough joke that I think I should watch this 90-minute film. And it turns out it was worth it. You know, I would give this a solid, you know, B, B-plus uh, as a film. I used to say it was an A, uh, solid A, but I do think I do think it aged a little teeny, teeny, tiny bit, and I'm also in the B, B-plus category. Yeah, yeah, like, um, we'll, we'll talk about how the, the critical reception in a bit, but... You know, uh, I think I think it does reuse some ideas that were that were po- posed in earlier superhero movies, but um, you know, maybe maybe there is something we can we can dig into about that. But um, I believe, uh, actually, wait, when when did you first see Megamind? Um, it was a couple years after it came out. I think I was in animation school, and I was doing that thing I I did every once in a while where. Um, I would just, like, go through and watch a bunch of movies I felt like I missed. And I feel like Megamind and Meet the Robinsons was kind of part of the same batch of watching for me. Um, and both really good movies. Uh, I actually really want to rewatch Meet the Robinsons. I thought it was really good. Um, but, yeah, I, this not the first time. And I really wasn't expecting anything just because I think I was coming off of some Shrek sequels for, for DreamWorks and... 
you know, you're talking like a superhero movie. I've never really liked superheroes. I watched it and I was like, this fucking ruled, actually. So I have very fond memories of of, of good old Megamind. Excellent, excellent. So for those of you who have not seen this film, let me do a plot summary. I believe it is my turn. Um, excellent. It is your so turn. So we, <laughs> the, the film actually starts with um, this big alien man, Megamind, falling to his death. And he's like, you're probably wondering how I got here. Um, and that's all well and good. Fun fact, uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, pitched starting the movie like that. Um, he was brought in for like the last three weeks of this movie for some reason, <laughs> but you know what? Thank you, Guillermo, for that. Um, but anyway, it, it, he starts at the very beginning after that. He's telling you his whole life story. Um, we see these two aliens. We see, you know, uh, Megamind, baby Megamind being sh- shipped off to Earth in a little space pod. Um, very Superman-y. Um, you know, his, his, his plants getting sucked into a black hole or whatever, and his parents uh, send him to safety. But at the same time, Somebody else on a different planet had the same idea, uh, and they also send their baby um, to Earth, and their the little space pods, uh, you know, bump against each other, forever altering the course of Mega Man's flight. Um, Mega Man lands um, in prison. <laughs> he crash lands in a prison uh, where he is immediately adopted by the inmates and. Um, <laughs> hysterically they're all the guards are like yeah no you could just live here now i guess <laughs> you just live in jail uh conversely this uh, super baby gets lands in like a, a mansion with with parents um there's a very funny line where um the wife is like oh a baby and the husband who is reading a piece of like a newspaper is just like yes i got it and i thought of you uh, <laughs> and i was like that's pretty good um but yeah basically mega mind um is raised in this prison. He has this constant rivalry with this other super baby, um, who turns out to be Metro Man. Uh, you know, he, he's basically Superman and Elvis at the same time. Um, and you know, we we see him develop throughout school, and they have this rivalry. And Mega Mind learns that like he has this super genius mind, and he can create all these inventions, but he can't get people to like him. Um, you know, it's always going to be Metro Man who who is getting the acclaim and the glory, and you know, all he's got to do is just just try to be bad. That that's all his life is has taught him is that being bad is the only way that he can be himself. Um, so one day, Mega Mind breaks out of prison, and he's about to he he kidnaps uh, Roxanne, who is a reporter, uh, very much a Lois Lane type, um, and he you know, lures Metro Man to his secret lair, uh, and he, like, Roxanne's kind of bored by this. She's just like, oh, you know, this always happens. You're so predictable, Megamind. Uh, but at the last minute, um, Metro Man is killed by Megamind, and they they literally throw a skeleton at his, his flaming skeleton lands uh, in Megamind's lair, um, and he's like, sick, I, I've done it, I can take over, and he takes over the city, and he soon realizes that it's not really all it's cracked up to be, because there's nobody opposing him, it's no fun, um, you know, there's there's no, what does it mean to, 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 you know, kidnap Roxanne if there's nobody, no Metro Man to come rescue him, and he, he gets really weirded out by that, and he goes to, like, destroy this museum to, like, eliminate the memory of, of Metro Man, but Roxanne is also there, so he impersonates um, this guy at the museum, um, he, he takes on his appearance, uh, and they have this conversation, and soon Roxanne and Megamind start to fall in love, um, 
and like become develop this relationship and megamind is soon like actually i don't care about being evil anymore i found a new purpose um however his in the meantime before that (laughs) um he was all like wait hold on I actually need to create a villain, or not a villain, I need to create a hero for this city because I killed the other one. Otherwise, I'm going to be super bored. So he accidentally gives all of Metro Man's superhero powers to Roxanne's cameraman, Hal. Um, and Hal is a fucking nice guy incel, uh, and he kind of sucks. Uh, but you know he does a whole training montage with Mega Man, uh, Mega Mind, Mega Mind. Uh, Mega Man is a completely different person. <laughs> um, they are <laughs> both blue. blue. You though. can forgive me for the mistake. Um, he tries to train Hal to be a good person, but he's not. Um, so, and Hal is like, his whole thing is like he's hopelessly in love with Roxanne uh, in a creepy, bad way. So, Mega Mind gives him superpowers, uh, and he is still creepy and bad. And there's like a very scary scene where like Superman is stalking uh, this woman. And I was like, actually, that sucks. That makes me really, really, that's a very scary thing to think about. Um, and uh, anyway. So that's bad. Hal, you know, gives up on becoming, you know, a hero for the city. He lets Mega Man, uh, Mind, you know, run all over the city with his big cool robot. Uh, and when Mega Man, Mind confronts him about it, he's like, "No, actually, I was hoping we could team up because I want to, uh, I want to also take over the city and be evil." Um, there's a very good scene where Mega Mind like comes into his apartment and he's like chewing him out, and then he looks over to the side. And he's like, "Wait!" And he sees all these like cash and jewels and gold bars. He's like where did you get all that stuff? And, he, and Hal goes, I took it from other people. Uh, isn't that cool? And I was like, oh, I, I loved that. Um, uh, anyway, they have a big fight. Um, Megamind, uh, you know, and, and Roxanne team up. They discover that Metro Man isn't actually dead. He just wanted to retire because he was he was just like tired of being, he never got a choice to be the, in the, the city's hero. Uh, he just had to be it, um, so he he becomes Music Man instead, and he, he makes shitty albums in his cool uh, hideout. Uh, but anyway, you know, Mega Mind and Roxanne team up, and they defeat Hal, and they saved the day. And Mega Mind learns that just because your destiny says someone thing doesn't mean that that is how your life should actually go. <laughs> yeah, you did it. That's I, the movie. I spent a lot of time studying Mega Man. That was actually a lot more comprehensive of a summary that i was expected to give but uh i like this movie so i'm, I'm it's glad it's a good one it's yeah, a good movie yeah. um but yeah that's megamind um you know right i think we're, we're getting into themes of like you know what happens when when the villain wins right that's been done uh in, in a lot of superhero media um you know what happens when you know the 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 superhero doesn't want to be a superhero anymore and you know what happens when the weird fanboy um or not fanboy just like a kind of a weird shitty guy you know gets superpowers and like how does he use it like that's you know uh, i think the probably for our audience the best touchstone is the incredibles um right how gives off very syndrome vibes um but like i think i I like mega minds portrayal of superheroism way more because um (laughs) the incredibles has some weird randian ideology that i don't feel great about (laughs) um but uh yeah i liked it liked it um, I do have one beef to pick Uh-oh. with your summary, and it is that your touchstone for um, uh, Megamind uh, and uh, Metro Man fleeing from their planets as they were being destroyed was Superman, 
when our ripped sad boy poet hero Kevin Winnicott was right there. Layla, I hate to break this to you, <laughs> but as we were recording the Xenosaga episodes, that information I was taking that information and shredding it. <laughs> In the little office I keep in my brain, in my hippocampus, there's a little, a little tiny Aaron going, you see all these files? I know we just wrote all these files for Xenosaga. Put them right in the shredder right now. As soon as the words are said, set that shit on fire, uh, because there is no room in here. <laughs> my goodness. Um... <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking of cultural touchstones... Let's talk about our characters. Um, So I'm going to find it pretty useful during the recording of this episode to talk about who voiced these characters because this cast is quite stacked, for better or for worse. Uh, And my thought on Megamind as portrayed by Will Ferrell is that Catherine O'Hara and Schitt's Creek could do Megamind, but I don't think Will Ferrell could do Moira. No, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Catherine O'Hara is very talented from what I hear. Um... But like, uh, in in defense of of you know, Will Will Ferrell, I I think this is probably the best role that I've seen him in. Like, I I tend to kind of hate his like live action movies. No, I did like okay. this. I should be clear. I liked this mm-hmm. vocal performance a lot. I thought it was very fun. But he did a lot of mispronunciation of words on purpose, which I thought was very charming and very funny. But every time he did it, all I could think about was Moira mm-hmm. Rose. <laughs> And it's just like, where is the best <laughs> chamber? That's uh, lives rent free in my head. Um, uh, what did, what was my favorite mispronunciation? Uh, Melancholy. Yeah, he's trying, he's trying, trying to say, to say melancholy. melancholy. <laughs> Listen, he was educated in a prison. He's doing pretty good. <laughs> he has uh, immigrant kid has only seen the word mm-hmm. in writing syndrome, which I'm very yeah. familiar with. Yeah, but like uh, I like you know about thirty minutes through this, I looked up the cast and I was like, oh yeah, this is all celebrities, um, and I was like worried that I was gonna start liking the movie less because I don't really like Will Ferrell because like that kind of humor, like I don't think that Step Brothers is particularly funny. Um, like I don't, yeah, I know it was a huge meme when I was in high school, but I was like, this, this isn't for me. I bailed out of Step Brothers about twenty Good call. minutes. Good Um I'm very hit or miss on Will Ferrell. Um, I did like Eurovision a little bit, um, but that's because I like Eurovision, the actual concert, and I thought that the songs in the fake Eurovision movie were very funny and good. Um, it wasn't a perfect movie, but it, it was entertaining enough for me. But no, I thought I really liked this vocal performance. I thought, I thought he had a, he sounded like he was yeah, having a good I, I time. I think everybody gives gives their all. I don't know that anybody's really phoning it in, which which is nice. Um, as far as a character, I mean, I think Megamind's uh, motivations are pretty clear, right? He, you know, is is born into this this idea that he can only be a criminal. Um, you know, when when that his, his his arch nemesis, the person that he's always been paired against, is taken away, he loses a sense of purpose. He finds a new purpose. Um, you know, pretty clear character arc. You know, he he has a uh, one character trait, and that changes over time. And at the end, he he is different. You know, it's completely fine. I'm happy with it. Aaron, he's a bored immigrant honors kid who is understimulated and entering act two of his villain arc, which is something I relate <laughs> to so specifically and so personally. <laughs> yeah. I love him, He is good. I, I like him as a character, certainly. Um, uh, 
Yeah, speaking of speaking of uh, voice performances, I really liked David Cross as Minion. Um, yeah, I didn't mention this, but uh, his parents, before he got shipped to Earth, they gave him a little fish bowl, uh, and they said, this is going to be your Minion, uh, keep him with you. Uh, and that Minion, you know, he, he is literally just a, a fish in a robot suit, and he's great, I love him. Uh, and yes, I think David Cross did, did a great job um, voicing and, you know, being the kind of the silly, dumb sidekick. Um, I like that they're, speaking of, like, things that are drawn on tropes, like, there's a lot of supervillains that treat their minions like fucking idiots. Like, Sonic 2 is a really good example. Like, Dr. Robotnik loathes Stone. (laughs) He treats Stone with such open contempt, and Stone, like, adores and kisses the ground he walks on. Um, But, like, Megamind and Minion are friends, which I thought was really, like, Megamind is selfish, you know, like, he, he takes most of the credit for all the work that they do, but, you know, he does, like, miss his friend and the fight he gets into with Minion when he's starting to choose Roxanne over building a new hero is, like, genuinely kind of touching. Like, they're sad. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like that that fight could have been telegraphed a little bit better. You know, I don't know that we get enough Minion screen time for me to actually get too invested because Minion is, you know, he's a character that exists to serve Megamind both uh, literally in the texts and also, you know, uh, metatextually. Uh, he's just a side character. He's literally named Minion. Um, you know, somehow still the best Minion out of um, the DreamWorks movies that came out in 2010 um, despite what some critics think, um, but we'll get to that. But yeah, I liked him. Uh, I'm sorry, him being Hal's space stepmom was enough. That was for really you? good. I <laughs> they they couldn't make him be his uh, Hal- space mom, so he did become a stepmom, which I thought was a very good joke. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was <laughs> any time that uh, Megamind and Minion like cosplayed as other people was truly everything to also, me. Also, my favorite Minion um, bit is when it looks like Minion's gonna die at the end because he's a fish and like his fishbowl is broken and he's just like, oh, I see the light, goodbye. And it's like, it's a little bit played up as, as a dramatic thing, and but like Megamind is not reacting at all. He's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he takes him by the tail and just tosses him in a nearby fountain. <laughs> he's like, oh, you're such a drama queen. I thought that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. There's there's a really great um, whoever honestly whoever did the the choreography for this movie was really like not only the character choreography but also like anytime the brain bots are on screen like like doing fucking uh, drone sculptures of Megamind <laughs> like it's just it's That's good. Right. Uh, the whole thing is treated like a like a rock opera choreographically, yeah. and it's it's a good time. Uh, so our, our femme fatale, our, our reporter, our Lois Lane Roxanne, uh, voiced by Tina Fey. Um, I liked her less, I think, than I used yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a little bit of a reckoning with Tina Fey when we covered Mean Girls a couple months ago, uh, potentially years ago, I don't remember. Um, Time but, is a flat um, circle. Yeah, like, uh, I thought she was fine, you know, I think she served her purpose as, as the, you know, um love interest and, and motivator for basically everybody in in this uh, in this film um you know I, I think she she was perfectly acceptable her, her motivation I, I like her banter I like the relationship that she and Megamind have the, the, not necessarily like the romantic one but the the banter that they have like especially when he kidnaps her and she's just like oh yeah is this gonna be the alligators again and she's like oh you could at least wash the bag and then she's like oh the spider's new and he's like yeah I did that on purpose. Um, so that, 
the spider. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I like the you know I, I like it a little bit less once when they start do start dating and they talk about you know like their families and, and you know she's like oh tell me something you've never told anyone else and and blah blah blah. I think that's all like pretty par for the course. Um, maybe my favorite sequence is when. Uh, Megamind and Roxanne are having like this fight and they you know that like when it's revealed that he's been impersonating Bernard um and like the the, the fight where where you know she's like did you you know like, like she was like what, did, what were you hoping to gain by impersonating Bernard and Bernard and getting close to me and like he doesn't say anything I was like okay that's actually pretty good because like they don't if you do, if I think that if you don't put it into words that makes it better he just kind of like looks at her sadly um I thought that was pretty good, um, you know. But then again, they they do undercut it later when when she's like, "Oh, I need you, Megamind," when she, when she's kidnapped, and I'm like, "Okay, it's it's pretty standard. It's fine." There is also that one casually racist bit where she's like, "We should get some ray guns and go gangsta on them." It's like, all right, it is a Tina Fey character. <laughs> get some ray guns, hold them sideways. Mm. Yeah, and it's go like, ah, oh, yes, Tina Fey was in this movie. Forgot about that for a sec. So yeah, um, th- yeah, that was one of the bits that aged kind of poorly for me. This protagonist, I think I liked her less because I think she is a very, um, she's very emblematic of the that period of time. That sort of sarcastic, snappy, not uh, not like other girls, female protagonist. Like she's kind of prototypical of the kind of women that we're getting, female characters that we're getting today. Um, that's not to say, again, I thought she, she was fine. I agree with you on everything. Like, the romance was fine. She was fine. I liked her banter. Uh, could have done without the, the casual racism, but the sign of the times and the sign of the fae. Um, uh, you know, uh, so it's fine. Uh, but, but that being said, like, in comparison to Megamind and Metro Man and, and Minion, um, you know, I, I wish that... I wish we could have something like Megamind today. And if anybody knows of something like Megamind today um, and they want to recommend it to us, mortifypod at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Send us an email. Also, uh, they are at Peacock doing like a Megamind like TV series sometime um, in the next. It was was announced in February of this year, actually. So we'll see. Maybe there's more Megamind in our future. Um, But uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah, just, you know. Um, she doesn't have very much agency, you know, she's just getting kidnapped constantly. Uh, she is, she is a snappy woman, sarcastic in the 2010s movie. It's very, it's very 2010s. Um, and that's not to say it's bad. It's just to say it aged. I think that's a fair criticism. Um, and the Metro man who I think is largely great. (laughs) Yeah. He's just just like kind of an asshole. (laughs) He's like, if Elvis was Superman, he's kind of a dick, and, like, he juggles babies. And um, you've all probably seen the meme where somebody's like, uh, we love you, Metro Man, and he points to the crowd, he's like, and I love you, random citizen. It's like, that's character. That's it. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, that being said, when he is pathetic and has his beard out, <laughs> no. Um <laughs> Metro Man's heel turn, hot. You heard it here first. Um, I love a pathetic man. Uh, Brad Pitt did, did his best. Uh, Brad Pitt did a good job. Um, I think for me, there's a big, like, in the animation industry, there's a lot of conversations about, like, hey, let voice actors voice act and let actor actors 
um, do whatever. And this conversation is actually also kind of relevant to like movie musicals because, you know, poor Russell Crowe really got uh, torn apart for Les Mis. I think unfairly he was fine. so. I think he was absolutely fine. I I did not even notice anything about his performance. It was, but the thing is, like about movies, is that a lot of the times Hollywood studios will like put a really big name in 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 roles just to get attention on the film. Um, and that's all well and good. I think again, Will Ferrell I thought did a great job. David Cross I thought did a really great job. Everyone else, Jonah Hill also, and we're about to talk about Jonah Hill. Uh, Jonah Hill also did a really great job. I think that everyone else put everything they could into it. Like, no one, like you said earlier, nobody phoned it in. That being said, I think maybe Roxanne and Metro Man could have been better served by professional voice actors. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I think Tina Fey and Brad Pitt are very much more like live action folks. Like, Will Smith at this point, I guess he didn't at at this point, but in 2013 he would go on to do, like, the Lego movie. Um, So, like, you know, Will Smith is a little bit more, has a little bit more range. I think, I think, these these folks are are better well, served. Well, go ahead. Even Will Smith's live action performances are really cartoonish. So like like uh, Brad Pitt is like a very serious actor, and Tina Fey, you know, is a more like um, like a snarky comedian. Like she's kind of more more deadpan. Um, and so and it's the same with Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill can also, if he wants to, serve a pretty cartoonish performance. I don't know if you saw um, Don't Look Up, but he's like uh, Donald Trump Jr. type in there. And he's like very cartoonish about it. And, you know, like these are it's just I understand why the cast was so stacked with comedy legends. But I do wish that at least a few of the roles went to like professional voice actors because, listen, Brad Pitt is very handsome um we're actually gonna watch um the lost city he is in there uh and you know he does a great job he has great comedic chops but um yeah there were there were a couple of line deliveries especially at the end where i was like hmm this feels like you're trying to act it in front of a camera instead of acting it um with just your voice yeah but you know largely i think metro man's character works um you know i do like that he is uh you know a guy who's like really not in it for like doing the right thing he's just like he likes to be loved and then when he gets bored of it he my favorite scene with him is when he explains how he faked his death um and like he's like no like of course <laughs> like and i could tell like you you could tell that he was trying to be like oh no copper my one weakness um and like um then he like d- uses super speed and freezes time and just sort of wanders around that's my favorite gag um it happens in another DreamWorks movie, Over the Hedge, and I think it. I thought it was hysterical at the time, um, but like he just like wandering around, you know, like reading books and like thinking, yeah, like just like kite. chilling. He, he like has a whole like month where he's just like it frozen in time, thinking about his life before he decides to fake his death, and it's really I, I like that as a joke. No, it was really good. Um... Uh, our last character is uh, uh, Incel Hal, played by Jonah Hill. Um, I thought Jonah Hill crushed it in a performance of a terrible Yeah, character. no, I mean, like, for what Hal is supposed to do, he's supposed to be, like, a creepy, weird dude who is self-serving, and, you know, he becomes more of who he is when he gets superpowers, and, like, that's... Yeah, Jonah Hill did a great job of being like, yeah, I'm kind of a, a weird dipshit, and, um, you know, I it's easy to do, and, yeah. I liked it. How 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 works? Yeah. 
Hal works, and I think the comparison you made to what's his face in, in Incredibles is syndrome in, in Incredibles is really apt. Um, that being said, kind of want to rewatch Incredibles for the for the like Randy and uh, what is her fucking shit? Yeah, objectivism. yeah. Brad Bird is way uh, into that shit. Uh, in apparently, um, it, it, you know, it's very much like oh, they're they're stopping us from being so super uh, because we're you know we're so we're so super that it'll hurt the rest of society and it's like oh are we sure we sure we want to say that it's fine anyway this is incredible has a fat ass anyway um (laughs) uh i guess we can move on to talking about uh how this uh show is in the middle of the incredibles batman and batman v superman yeah i mean like so you know the incredibles came out in like what 2000 three i want to say um and batman versus superman came out in 2016 um and like this show you know for if we're taking the the first 20 years of the the 21st century um you know as a block right this is this is directly in the middle of them it's it's drawing inspiration from the incredibles but also like you know it sets up some of the conflicts that you will see played out in batman versus superman that's not to say that batman versus superman was inspired by megamind although it should have been uh because that movie is quite bad uh (laughs) I, i like that movie but it's a fucking bad movie um but like isn't that the one where henry cavill had to get his mustache photoshopped um, out i in the reshoots don't i didn't know that but i believe it 100 <laughs> percent. that sounds awesome um shout out to those vfx artists yeah, that had to fucking, fucking do that shave every henry cavill in every frame um but yeah like uh right because the, the thing that i like about batman versus superman is you know drawing from the ideas of like oh what if superman was evil <laughs> um and like you know what what happens when when we have somebody who is on earth but also does not have great intentions um and like that's what happens to hal and, and we also see you know the with syndrome like we were just talking about somebody who you know thinks of themselves as, as being a good person but is actually not and and when they are given you know more power they they become more of themselves um and you know that's not to say that this is like an original thing right you know even the batman versus superman storyline goes back to the comics right so like you know uh megamind i I just like the ways in which it it kind of foreshadows batman versus superman in a more interesting way than batman versus superman was actually executed um because uh fucking zack snyder is (laughs) is zack snyder um, but like, so I was looking, looking about the reviews for Megamind and like, apparently they were like fairly middling. Like some people were like, oh yeah, this is fine. But like, you know, all these plot points, you know, like a villain who doesn't know what to do after, after the hero is gone and like, oh, you know, be him, you know, trying becoming the hero and like, you know, uh, a hero going bad. Those are all like pretty old tropes at this point in, 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 in not only fiction, but specifically superhero fiction. Um, one, uh, uh, Claudia Pugue of USA Today uh, said, do we really need Megamind when Despicable Me is around? Uh, <laughs> and like, today in 2022, that sounds like a fucking wild thing to say, uh, because... It's a wild thing to say on its surface because Megamind's not a dad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Despicable Me is a movie about a sad man accidentally becoming a father. <laughs> this is, oh man, I just. 
Sometimes people talk about animation and they do with they it. They sure don't they? do. But like I can see why you get there because like this this is the year, you know, like Shrek the third, I think, had just come out. Like that that, that allegedly they were gonna finish the, the Shrek franchise. Um, you know, this is the year that How to Trade Your Dragon comes out, um, notably, which is like you know, a lot of Yeah, which is on our list, list? right? Because again, I haven't seen it, but it's supposedly extremely good, right? Exactly, right? Um, And then Despicable Me, which became, you know, the the minion-themed hellscape that we live in now, like, was was wildly popular. And, like, compared to those, like, Mega Man, you know, doubled its budget. Like, it did fine. Mega Mind doubled its budget. It did fine. But, um, you know, like, it wasn't... People thought it was just, like, just okay. Um, And I wonder if, like, if if you have any thoughts about, like, the, the criticism that is just recycling... Um, other plot points and tropes because i feel like at least once er- earlier this month uh i had i had said something to you in dms which was like you know i'm really worried that i am just doing the same thing and like taking the media that i i like and recycling it into my own work okay yeah but i have thoughts okay. on that but before i do um i i just want you to know that i do have a friend who unironically enjoys minions uh do i know them uh i think so did you ever meet many i've i've seen them on on twitter sometimes and i know you talk about them but um okay 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 so you've seen the knee yeah she unironically likes minions and that's <laughs> fine <laughs> that is her major character listen flaw. we all have a tragic flaw. flaw mine is envy yeah um, minis is being a minion enjoyer and that's okay <laughs> Minnie, Minnie unironically enjoys Minions, and it is the one of the only things we disagree on. Uh, much like one of the only things Marty and I disagree on is uh, uh, certain elements of the movie Frozen. Um, namely, Olaf the Snowman. <laughs> um, I'm an Olaf hater, sorry to say it. Um, yeah, so all art is theft. That's just it. All art is theft. Like, I just, that's it. You look at, I, when I was in sixth grade, I used to copy handwriting, and that's why I have nice handwriting now, is I used to look at my teachers, and if I liked the way they wrote their B, I stole their B. All art is theft. Um, I am currently writing. You are currently writing. Let me tell you, I was sitting there watching Megamind, and I was going, hmm, that's an interesting way to approach crafting your own happiness, and I'm, like, sitting there making little edits in the back of my head. Um... I think it's completely fine to recycle things because you are recycling things for a new age and a new audience and in a new context. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just like, I think there's a line between, um, like plagiarism and recontextualizing a trope or like putting a new spin on a story That's that you've heard. Um, um, I, I think we literally just I talked about Iron that I'm Widow worried about and recycling we compared it directly and, to Pacific Rim. Like, you, you know what um, I mean? Like you know, it's stealing just, ideas. Um, I don't, I don't and, disagree. And I think like, that like, you are right that we should be taking inspiration from and try to rework and repackage, you know, old myths and things that are interesting to us. I think this is just going to be like, I saw somebody tweet something that made me sad. But like this tweet that I saw was basically making the criticism that like, you know, a lot of media that's come out in the past like 15 years is made by people school, not school, who not Catholic high school, uh, school, were Bible just like creators who were who were drawing from inspirations um, of things that you know, their own their own things that they were interested the Bible, in you know media books television etc but like taught us how to spot the, this generation of creators is one who 
is drawing inspiration from people who were already drawing inspiration from things, right? Like instead of, you know, George Lucas trying to, you know, make Flash Gordon and, and all that, um, it's people who are like, oh, I want to be making George Lucas. I want to be making Star Wars, not like, you know, George Lucas, who's just like, I just want to like have a cool space movie. Um, and, and that's the thing that I, I get worried about. And I don't think... You know, I don't know that Megamind is doing that, certainly, but, like, I think that is a criticism you could level at Megamind, being just like, oh, you're taking, you're just taking a bunch of, of old ideas and, and just, you know, turning them to something that's, like, kind of milk toast, um, which I don't, which I don't agree with, but I think is, is a theme among the criticism that this movie got, um. Yeah, I disagree with that. I would, I would, I would disagree with those criticisms. Um, which, because one, Megamind knows its audience. Its audience is little kids. Little kids don't understand tropes. I think it's fine for children's entertainment to be a little bit more tropey than adult entertainment because kids have not had the exposure to the media yet. Two, I think it does it in a subversive enough way and in an interesting enough they way. They didn't in use that, that phrasing, but like, like I didn't that even is really kind notice. of what they mean. Right? And you know, is, you were comparing it to about, like Batman you know, versus Superman. You know, nowadays, Those are two people don't do are always basing things off of the, the, the you know, work of creators. Uh, so, that are like, before I them. disagree with those criticisms. You know, I, I don't think that's very fair to an animated film. And away from any sort of generational criticism because I think it's largely horseshit. Some of critics might not be cartoon critics. They might be just movie critics, which is not to say there's not an overlap but there are some very yeah. self-serious film critics who simply don't give animation the credence it deserves or the consideration to the nuance it deserves um and all that to say like i don't know it's it's i think that tweet is also being kind of unfair because quote unquote this generation of creators is what I think I think I can I can kind of sum up my thoughts to, to, to like wrap it put a bow, put, to put a bow on it. I can I can kind of go like this. Um, I agree that sometimes, and I've leveled this criticism against certain things before, where there are certain types of certain media properties. I think that even we've reviewed on this show that take elements or story beats from things they are We're inspired professionals, by, yeah. and just implement them. <laughs> but the thing about I think where we need to kind of be specific is the way in which we define inspiration, which is to say, if you are inspired by something, you have to sit there and examine yeah, no, it it's, and figure it's, it's out a banger. why it works. <laughs> and implementation without examination isn't inspiration, it's just copying. So I think that Megamind specifically does enough 
examination of the tropes for me to not think that those kinds of criticisms are fair. And I think that as creators, you and I are also, I mean, we have a whole podcast analyzing well media. It's not um, like we're just, you know. For our marketing minute, it's, Layla, we're not, uh, you have a like, note here that I'm very interested for you to explain. You know, we're, we're, we're very analytical. So I think we're professionals. Okay? Uh, visions, I believe. Um, the, listen, the difference between amateur critics <laughs> and super critics is okay hold on <laughs> which is all right run my this back for me movie, except replace critics with villains uh, uh some metal sc- screenwriting in, in good old megamind but yeah so i think that I, I mean just like to speak to your anxiety about like having read that what? And, hmm. about your own work like give I me the plot synopsis for the studio trigger short of megamind after examining them and putting them in your own context is completely fine and just how art works generally Yeah, That's hi. really good. Um, so, uh, you know how Star Wars got that series of shorts on Disney Plus that a bunch of like, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think want that Mega they, Mind there's a definitely a style that Trigger could you know exaggerate and emphasize in a way that fits them. Um, that would be really fun. <laughs> yep. No. All right. Why? I said it. I want little short films in in the universe of Mega Mind, and I want Studio Trigger to do at yep. least one of them. Yep. Um, that would be fun. That would be mm-hmm. fun. You're right. Uh, I wish I knew more animation studios um, <laughs> that I could that I could make a poll okay. from. Um, um, I think that it is. It, I think it could very easily be Megamind and Metro Man's first professional encounter. Oh. Hmm. There were just times I was watching some of the encounter choreography. Yeah, no, that would be very fun. Um, or what I'm thinking is like. A minion. I want like a minion, like one off, where he he is like going shopping. Um. And listen, they play with scale all the time. Can you imagine how tiny uh, Mega or, or Metro Man's yeah, hips and how big like his maybe shoulders in a, could in become a and how Ghibli big Mega head could become for emphasis? Yeah, I was gonna say that's pretty dark, but I think it'd be um. fun. Well, there's also um, Studio Grackle, I believe, which is a new one. Um, and they're the ones that did that very, very sexy Hades promo. Uh-huh. We could do like Excellent. a, like a uh, Metro Man commercial from them. a studio or, you know, even a media property that you want a visions of, uh, listeners, you can call us at 775-573-8882. Uh, Oh, I would love to see Minion go to, like, a wet market and haggle for fish. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's cannibalism. Haggle for vegetables. <laughs> haggle for vegetables. I want to see Minion get into an impassioned argument about artichokes. Uh, yeah, I think that would be excellent. Um, I think, I think if some French studio could pull it off, they have a lot of really great slice of life moments. Do it. Um, it's fun. Yeah. So I want, I want, me- um, I want Mega Mind, Mega, oh my God, no, I'm Layla, Mega Mind Visions. When we're not threatening our audience. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. When we are not nagging our audience, uh, where can we be found on the internet? You know what else you could call us with? We actually have 
Uh, Aaron, can I get a drum roll? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, Fellas, uh, health policy, the and writing. Has its um, first I hope I just did an interview with the creator uh, so of the Caltrop Core uh, system that's at AA Voice on, on YouTube. Uh, that was really fun. So did if a you're little, a little listener documentary and you want to um, interview, that, uh, that was a media that was um, to us based on our I'm catalog. I'm also probably this week going to have an essay out about why Elden Ring works for me. I dare you. You won't. In contrast to other FromSoft games. Um, so that should be coming out within a couple days uh, at my website, aavoids.com. Uh, I'll uh, do another podcast with my friends, uh, Michael and Josh. That's at You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. So probably not a new episode. We are going to get that Constantine episode up eventually. We are all just, me and Michael are both finishing out our semesters, and Josh just moved. And, you know, I think all three of us are either job hunting or college hunting so uh we're we're in it um but bible boys will return uh, at some point um but uh, if you like christian media uh if you like people talking about how much uh kirk cameron is a nightmare person uh tune into that Uh, yes, uh, I don't know if Layla cut this out of the episode, but I will just say it again, uh, today at 1am, Layla and I, uh, Layla guided me through the, the last lo- boss of Elden Ring, and I, I said, uh, it's over, and then I burst into tears for 30 seconds, uh, <laughs> which was weird, but, um, it was a good time. I don't think I've cried at a video game in like literal years, uh, which was very, it was a very strange moment for me, but um, it was a good time. I had fun. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, there's uh, one more thing. Thank you. One more all, thing all hail, you can uh, uh, contact and call us in about why Elden Ring works Our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. Find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how do we want to tell our listeners goodbye this week. <laughs> we can only hope. We'll see you all next week. No, I was glad I got to share that intimate gaming moment with you. know because you're living in a fantasy there is no easter bunny there is no tooth fairy there are no listeners and there is no queen of england